June 2nd, John chapter 21, verses 1 through 25. Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the Twin, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, the disciples saw Jesus standing on the beach, but they couldn't see who he was. He called out, Friends, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get plenty of fish. So they did, and they couldn't draw in the net, because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and swam ashore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about three hundred feet. When they got there, they saw that a charcoal fire was burning and fish were frying over it, and there was bread. "'Bring some of the fish you've just caught,' Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were a hundred and fifty-three large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. "'Now come and have some breakfast,' Jesus said. And no one dared ask him, if he was really the Lord, because they were sure of it. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Once more he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, Then feed my sheep. The truth is, when you were young... You were able to do as you liked, and go wherever you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will direct you, and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would die to glorify God. Then Jesus told him, Follow me. Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who among us will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, What about him, Lord? Jesus replied, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that that disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is that disciple who saw these events and recorded them here. And we all know that his account of these things is accurate. And I suppose that if all the other things Jesus did were written down, the whole world 
could not contain the books. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Brendan Gleach, and I'm a third phase brother here at the refuge. And I was asked to give a brief testimony and uh, share a little bit about myself and my journey. And um, hopefully, some of y'all can relate to some of it and get something out of it. Um, I was born and raised here in Columbus, in the middle of five children. Um, I'm the only one of my siblings that struggles with addiction. However, my father is an alcoholic. He's an active alcoholic. Um, but I was blessed growing up with an average childhood, um, two-parent home. And um, you know, throughout my youth and growing up, um, my dad didn't drink, but I always knew that there was a history. And so uh, it wasn't until after I was already moved out of the house and married that he decided to start drinking again and, and uh, you know I saw through his experience that he picked up right where he left off 30 years prior uh, and things quickly got worse and my parents got divorced and um, so I wasn't directly affected by that but my two younger brothers were and I've gotten to see an outside perspective of the uh, the fallout the, the effects that it has on a family um, my two younger brothers had a different upbringing than I did. They grew up in a broken home and I grew up in a two-parent home. And so um, they have a lot of resentments and, and things like that. Um, so um, I've just, I've seen how, how it can have a negative effect on the, the family unit. Um, so I don't have any kids of my own, um, but I have a lot of nieces and nephews. So they're one of my many motivations for uh, doing what I'm doing and trying to live the best life that I can and uh, <clears throat> make these living amends. Maybe someday I can be there to encourage them and help them through some of their struggles and be that example of, uh, you know, overcoming obstacles. And But uh, more than that, show them what it's like to be uh, a godly man and to live by spiritual principles, um, to live a life of purpose and meaning. Um, so hopefully I can do that for them. Um, I didn't, uh, let's see. Alcohol didn't have an effect on my life really until I was in my early 20s when I was in a bad marriage. It was very toxic and I quickly realized that alcohol was an effective way to escape the way I felt. Um, but I also didn't know at the time the consequences that were going to stem from all of that. Um, and then also quickly it went from a coping mechanism and it turned to medicine. So. Um, I needed it every day, every morning. Uh, I couldn't. It got to the point I couldn't go more than a couple hours without needing alcohol, um, or else I would start having seizures. So throughout my 20s, I was in and out of the hospital, detoxing. Um, I was falling out at work, having seizures. I was bartending at the time, um, and just lots of things like that where my girlfriend would find me um, passed out in my house the house would be all tore up and because I was stumbling around having seizures all day by myself um, so it's a miracle that I made it through that period of my life um, the doctors told me that my body couldn't tolerate any more alcohol but it also couldn't go without alcohol so I was stuck in this middle area and um, so that's when my family came together and uh, I was kind of an intervention I didn't really have a choice uh, I went straight from the, the last time I was in the hospital having seizures I, I went straight from the hospital bed to another bed in rehab for the first time and that was the beginning of my road to self-discovery um, but also um, 
that was the beginning of God starting to do the work in me that I couldn't do for myself. Um, at that time in my 20s, I, I believed in God, but I, I certainly didn't have any relationship with Him. And then um, I had more of a feeling that God was punishing me. Um, and then on top of that, I also felt that, that I deserved it, that I was definitely deserving of punishment. You know, I had, I was getting what I had coming to me. Um, and so I was really just beating myself up in a lot of ways. Um, and then also I, I wasn't allowing God to do anything in my life. So, um, but it was through these experiences that I had through my twenties and thirties, like going to jail and going to, uh, lots of other rehabs. Um, so the history that's repeated itself in my life was going to jail, hitting rock bottom, going to jail, going to rehab, um, getting out of rehab, and then being sober for a little bit, basically just running off the momentum from rehab. Um, but right when I would get out, I would I would start to regress and start to revert back to my old ways of thinking and, uh, and had an attitude um, like a little child wants to prove to his father that he can do it on his own. So I wanted to prove to myself and the rest of the world that I didn't need God and you know, I could do things on my own. I was the master of my own destiny. Um, but also, I was just very lost and I just didn't know. And I needed, I needed these people in my life that God chose fit to put in my life to teach me and show me the way. Um, so to fast forward more so is that uh, these rock bottoms, these were all like bearable and I was able to recover from them I, I, because I got used to it. I became accustomed to falling down, losing my job, being in jail, uh, losing vehicles and stuff like that. And, and that just kind of became the normal. I was okay with it. But what I wasn't okay with was my, my most recent rock bottom, which was a spiritual rock bottom. And, um, and I like to talk about this because it reminds me that... I need God in my life, and it's more clear now than ever. Um, I don't ever want to forget it, uh, because every time I choose to take that hard left into my own self-will and go down that road, things quickly fall apart because I'm incapable of keeping it together. Um, I, I self-sabotage, I self-destruct um, very easily when I'm doing it my way, when I'm all my own. Um, I had a chance to, at one point to, with, with the help of a really good counselor, to take a close look at this cycle of uh, self-destruction in my life. And it has always begun with complacency, feeling that the work that I've put in up to this point is sufficient and that I can just rest on my laurels and just kind of coast through life at this point on, almost like I've made it. Um, and that has been the biggest lie that I've ever sold myself. And for some reason, I just kept on, kept on doing it. And I'm trying not to fall for that lie today. Um, but then the next step would be spiritual uh, relapse, where I'm not praying anymore. I'm not. I don't have that communication with God. And then an emotional relapse, where now my anxiety and depression and guilt and shame and remorse and all of that is is right there in my face, and I can't escape from it. So now I'm searching for a coping mechanism, like I always do, and then I'm vulnerable. Um, I have isolated myself and it's the perfect opportunity for Satan to do what he does and strike when I'm at my weakest and, and then I convince myself that taking a drink is a good idea and then it's all over. Um, I'm back in jail so I'm just trying not to do that today. I'm trying to let God do what he's been trying to do for so long and not rob God of the opportunity to do something in my life. I'm trying to just let him steer me 
in whatever direction he sees fit and then put one foot in front of the other um, so that that's basically it um, I appreciate you appreciate the opportunity to share some of this with you and and I love you all uh, take care bye